it was during the, the final few, um, uh, d- during the planning phase of our, of our last series, our Life Turned Up to 11 series, that I, I was starting to think fairly regularly that the way that Jesus most has I- impacted our lives is, is in those few words that he said towards the end of his time. We read it in John 17 and Acts 1 where he said he was going to send the Holy Spirit to us to send another comforter, to send another counselor who was just like him, who was going to be with us forever. And when Jesus uh, promised the coming of the Holy Spirit, he was basically saying, I'm going to send some, somebody, a person who is better than me, because he's not just going to be here with you for a, a certain period of time, but he's going to be with you in the same way that I've been with you, but he's going to be with you forever. And uh, and, and I, I, I think because of, 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 of that, because of us knowing that, that God has sent the Holy Spirit to us, we're, we're always partly intrigued by things that seem supernatural. I think all of us have got that, that desire inside of us to experience something which is outside of, of the natural. But then there's also this kind of tendency in us to, to, to perhaps keep it at arm's length as well. And... Um, you know, sometimes we're intrigued to the supernatural. Sometimes we're we are uh, cautious of it. You know, if you if you hear about healing, or if you hear about a miracle that takes place, or if you you hear about somebody who confidently says, "God told me," and then dot dot dot. We often can like we we're like we, we want to perhaps keep that at arm's length. We're like peering around the door to see what just took place, but we, we have some reasons. In, in this life to be skeptical. You know, one of the reasons why I perhaps don't engage in much Christian television, if ever you kind of come across that, is because you're, you, you're not sure of some of the characters on there or whether some of what you see is legit. And yet we believe in an all-powerful God, right? We believe in a God who is able to, can somebody agree with me on that? Like we, we believe in a, an all-powerful God who is able to do all things. And so we've, we've kind of been talk, thinking about this idea of naturally supernatural. I, I just want to sort of define those two words a little bit. What's natural? Like natural means anything that's existing or caused by nature, not made or caused by humankind. Okay, so that, that, so we, we understand natural. We understand what's predictable. We understand uh, we can measure it and we can, we, can, we can understand and measure the natural world. Now, if you, if you contrast that to what is supernatural. Um, this is one of the, s- the definitions of supernatural is something beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. So this is a bit out of our out of our box and comfort zone. In order for something to be supernatural, it's outside of the measurable, predictable world, right? And that's something perhaps that's some reason why we want to like we want to we're amazed by it and then sometimes we can want to dismiss it as well because we're you're smart people, right? Like, pat yourself on the back if you want to, but you guys are, uh, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? You guys are all very smart people, and we, some of you are scientists, and some of us have grown up with this, uh, th- with, with the, the, the natural world as the thing that stands out to us, those things that are measurable, those things that, that we can predict, and those things that we can understand. But the truth is, I believe, that the two are completely linked. The, complu- the two are completely linked and really never, never separate. In fact, that everything that we call natural on this world and in this universe, everything that we call natural came into being and 
and really this is whether you believe in like a, a literal seven-day creation or whether you, you believe in the Big Bang or, or something in between, uh, that everything that we see and call natural came into being as a result of something supernatural, right? Uh, everything came from nothing and therefore there must have been something supernatural that took place we believe that God created and supernaturally created in order for everything natural to take place. So perhaps it's possible to be both natural and supernatural at the same time. And perhaps we're supposed to be living lives that are natural and supernatural too. Perhaps as Christ followers, we're supposed to exhibit and live out both. We're supposed to live out natural lives in a supernatural way. Now, if, uh, if our model is Jesus, and one of the, one of the absolute uh, cornerstones of Christian belief, of Christian theology, is the fact that Jesus was 100% God, and he was 100% man. Right? He was fully God, and he was fully man. And so when, when Jesus stepped into, into our time, we call it the incarnation, when, 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 the, when uh, Jesus became God with us at Christmas, and we'll, of course, hear about that as the Christmas season is just around the corner, right? Um, wh- when we start to hear more about that phrase, God with us, it's talking about the incarnation. It's talking about that moment where heaven stepped into earth in the form of Jesus, who was 100% God and who was 100% man as well. In other words, he's completely supernatural and he's completely natural at the same time. One German missionary, Reinhard Bonker, said that Christianity is either supernatural or it's nothing at all. And you'll hear about him later as well. And, uh, and Jesus lived in the natural, in the natural. He lived physically on this earth in a specific time and place, but he ushered in the supernatural world as well, and brought with him the kingdom of God. In that way, the, rea- the supernatural realities of the kingdom of God. In fact, we read in, in Matthew uh, 4, verse 23, it says this about Jesus. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. There's, there's something that's very natural there, and there's something that's very supernatural there as well. And Jesus embodied and lived out this, uh, this experience of being natural and supernatural too. So if following Jesus means that we're to do what he did, or we're, we're to live like Jesus lived, and we're to do what Jesus did, then there's got to be an element of our lives which is not only natural, but it's supernatural too. But here's the tension. Here's the the, the, the tough thing in that, and that's that all of us have our questions, we have some fears, some doubts, and even some bad experiences when it comes to experiencing the supernatural of God in a Christian church context. Now, I think we've, we've put together, um, we've put together this, this, what I would call a plausibility structure, uh, maybe a plausibility box, and uh, if... Uh, if our relationship with God is, is kind of inside this box, we, 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 we kind of want to say that like there is a certain amount of things that I believe God can do, and it all lives on the inside of this, this, this box right here, this imaginary box. I just uh, want, want, want you to think in your minds this morning that there's certain things that we think God 
can do. And we, we expect God within that plausibility structure. Yes, it's, it's plausible and believable that God will hear my prayers. That God, we believe that uh, within that uh, sort of system that God will forgive me of my sin. Uh, we're probably, although it's like hard to imagine and hard to believe, we probably believe within that that God will, that, that this, my relationship with God will get me to heaven sometime. All right, and I'll, I'll be able to escape this mess and be in eternity with him. We've, we've got this, this structure that is uh, where we believe, like God lives within that framework. But, we, but perhaps some things that are outside of that, bo that box sometimes, we might not necessarily expect God on a regular basis to speak to us, to heal us, or to use us to heal other people, or to do miracles uh, through our lives, to do miracles in our lives or through us. We kind of put those things outside of the plausibility box. We, we, we don't expect him to work beyond these boundaries that we've created. And in, honestly, we tend to believe that the supernatural ability of God, that measurable supernatural ability of God lies outside of that plausibility structure that, that we've created where we, we kind of keep things safe and we think we know how everything works as long as we keep God inside that box. But I've got to be honest with you, there, there's been times in my life when God has reminded me that he exists in a space that is much bigger than the box that I've put him in. And I believe that I, I, I'm, my prayer over these next few weeks is that God will, will help us realize that the, the, the box around which we draw, we, the, the box that we box God into is a lot bigger and that God wants to break open the walls of that box and, and, and in our lives be letting us know that there is no limit to who he is and what he can do and what's, what he wants to do in our lives and through us. I was uh, 19 when me and a few uh, friends uh, from the southeast of England went up to an event in Birmingham, uh, England, which is about a three-hour train ride for us. Uh, it was a big youth event. And I'm going to talk about this in uh, three, three weeks' time in greater detail when we talk about healing. Um, but we're going to talk about healing in a few weeks. And, uh, <laughs> and I sat in the, in the stands of this auditorium when a preacher who uh, has a, a, a healing ministry, felt God was leading him to this one woman sitting in the crowd in a wheelchair, had been uh, wheelchair bound for two and a half decades, for 25 years, prayed for her and asked her to stand up in the name of Jesus. And within seconds, this woman, who was probably in her, probably around my age, probably in her 50s, stood up, and then ran across this auditorium, a huge room with 11,000 people in it. And it's very easy as, as, a, as people two, three decades later to sit and think, well, yeah, but do we know, you know, th was that set up? Was it real? Here's the difference for that night for me. And in, in three weeks' time, I'm going to show the actual details because the video footage is all there. That the event with these 11,000 people was organized by my brother-in-law. And he, he's got a lot of, you know, issues in his life, but one of them isn't to set up fake healings in, in large events. Um, and I knew personally all the people who were on the stage of that event, the, from the musicians to the pastors that were leading the event, 
I know them personally. I know their heart is not to fabricate fake events. And yet since then, uh, in this lady's life, Jean Neal, there are videos made about that event. There are interviews. There are newspaper articles about what took place and how it, it just confused her doctors because for, for these two decades, she had been wheelchair-bound, uh, spinal injuries that meant that she was never going to stand, never going to walk. And yet, as I went home on the train that night, let me tell you, my plausibility box for who my God was, was enlarged beyond belief. And, as, and, and, and I fight in my life to keep it big because let me tell you, it wants to get smaller all the time, right? There's something about our lives that wants to reduce God to somebody who can, well, I, I'm pretty sure he can forgive my sin, pretty sure he can hear my prayers, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. But at the end of the day, I can't really quantify or measure any of those things. And it's interesting that when Jesus was on earth, he would say stuff like, oh, by the way, since, you know, your sins are forgiven, but just so you know, be healed. And he would, he would give physical, measurable opportunities for the people that he was in contact with to see what I've said over here is true, and let me prove it by this. I, I, I want to see my plausibility structure for my God enlarged and yours too. Now, this isn't a, uh, this isn't a series about hunting down miracles. Uh, we're not going to look for, for, for supernatural things under every rock or something that isn't there. But here's the heart behind uh, this, is that what if there was a dimension to our relationship with God? What if there was a dimension to our walk with Jesus that we are missing out on? And if there is, if there was, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on it. And I'll be the one, if it helps, to lead us into believing God as a community for greater things in our lives. As a church, I think we should want to experience everything that God has for us, right? We should want to experience everything that he has for us, all not just his love, not just his forgiveness, but, but elements of the supernatural that God might want to bring to us as well. Now, even in the early church, even in the book of Acts and the, the letters that Paul wrote um, as the, 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 the New Testament unfolded, there was, there was confusion in the early church as to what the supernatural world should look like. And, uh, and there's, a, there's some verses in, in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm just going to read verse 1. It says this, now about the gifts of the Spirit, let's read that. Where? Yeah, here we go. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So the Apostle Paul says, like, about something, these spiritual gifts that God brings to the church, I don't want you to be uninformed. Other translations say, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know what it is and through what avenues I want to work within your, in, in your lives as a congregation. And he goes on, he says, verse 2, it says, You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And here's the key thing right here. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, basically, if you, if you look at that, it says that, you know, although that you were let, you've been led astray in so many ways, I want you to know that no one can say Jesus be cursed by the Holy Spirit, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. What that means is that you and I are only able to declare the Lordship of Jesus because the Holy Spirit is already working in us, right? So we are, you know, as much as you might have thought, when you decided, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, you might have thought that that was something just inside of you. There was just like a kind of a God-shaped hole, and you thought, well, I think I'll find Jesus today, and I'll fill it with God. It was, it was partly that, but it was also the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart and drawing you in and saying, you are my chosen. I'm opening a way for you to have a relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit came in and allowed you to say, Jesus is Lord. Without God... Without the impact of the supernatural in your life, you are not even able to stay, sit here today and declare that Jesus is Lord. So, like, we're on, if, if you follow Jesus, we're on the same page, right? We are, we are experiencing the super, according to the scripture, we're experiencing the supernatural because God's Spirit came into us. And because of that, we're able to say, yes, Jesus is Lord by, by the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit in us. And, and it's, it's God's Spirit that allows us to cry out. In another version, it says, Abba, Father. It allows us to cry out and see God as our daddy. So if you're a follower of Christ today, it's, it's only by the miraculous work of Jesus. And he goes on and he talks about spiritual gifts. And he talks about the various ways in which God wants to inhabit his people through these different spiritual gifts. And let's read in verse 4. It says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God that works. So, so firstly, like God is the power behind all spiritual giftedness. Not us. Not us. It's not something that comes from us. It comes from God. And then he asks this question. Why? why then he answers this question, like, why are they given in the first place? Why, why and how are they given? In verse 7, it says this. Now to each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Everyone say common good. Right. It's not given for me. It's not given for my benefit. Uh, it's given for the common good. It means it's given for the benefit of, of the community. The gifts are always given for the whole community. They're, they're given so that our faith might be enlarged. It's always we and it's never me. And that's the only thing where perhaps this translation of the word gift can make us think that, like, this is mine, you know? I'm going to hold this. I'm going to hog this because this is for my benefit. But no, the gifts of the Spirit that God brings are for the benefit of the community. It's like God gives something, and then we're to go, look, this is, this is for all of us. How can this best be used for the benefit of the whole community? The gifts of the Spirit are given for the whole community to increase our faith. Now, this is all, this is just, we're just reading Scripture here. So if, if you like to follow along in your Bibles, you can keep doing this for these next few verses or, or find it on your, your, uh, your version or your Bible app. Scroll down, find 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 11. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 11. We'll, we'll continue to read a little bit of a description of some of these gifts. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And that's, that's not just, this is a gift of faith. Okay, this is a miraculous gift of faith because you're like, well, we've all got faith, right? There is, there, is, there is faith and then there is a gift of faith, which 
which we, I don't have to go, time to go into that right now, but it almost is a, 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 a moment or a period or a time or a person who has a specific gift of faith. Okay, I'll, I'll keep reading on. Another faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now, I've got to say a couple of things about this list right here. This, firstly, isn't a, a complete and total list of spiritual gifts. There are actually about four or five different lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And, and some of them uh, overlap with what are considered gifts, and, and some of them are missing from some lists. And, and so, like, there's, there's other uh, 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 lists in the New Testament, in First Peter and in Romans 12, and in just other places of the New Testament that describe spiritual gifts. And you see, like, quite a bit of overlap. But that, that's not an exhaustive list. But, but right here, it seems that God wants uh, people to, to know specifically about the, some of those more supernatural giftedness areas of how they are to be um, implemented in the church. And all through uh, the, the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll see Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, talk regularly. He says, when you come together, and he highlight that phrase, when you come together, when you come together. You, you might see it half a dozen times where Paul's just saying, listen, the, the giftedness that I have brought through my spirit is for the common good of the church, and it is to be experienced through, by, and through the church community when you come together. And he wants to, to describe how these different gifts are to take place within our relationships with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, just to just kind of break down that list a little bit, it's, it's broken into three areas. It talks about gifts of revelation, and these would be uh, bringing to mind ideas and thoughts and insights that would have been completely unknowable without God giving to them. It talks about gifts of wisdom. It talks about supernatural knowledge. It talks about that ability to, to discern between good and evil spirits. Now, for some of you today, this is like, whoa, we're going hocus pocus here a little bit. And, but I, I believe that there is a way for what the Scriptures talk about as clearly being supernatural for us to experience in the natural world as well. Otherwise, what's it there for? Otherwise, why, why is the Apostle Paul going into detail for us to understand spiritual giftedness, except that we would experience it here in our lives in some way? So I, I, I just want to encourage you to, to remember I said earlier, if there was a dimension that God wants us to experience that we are missing out on, wouldn't we want to experience what He has for us? And we wouldn't, we, wouldn't we want to posture ourselves and be willing at times to take steps of faith into the unknown and to see God work. Those first, uh, that, that first description was, was gifts of revelation. Then it talks further about gifts of power. It talks about uh, of healing, of miraculous works. It talks about gifts of faith. And it, it, it's talking about gifts of power demonstrating God's power in miraculous ways. And for most of us, this is completely outside of our ex experience or comfort zone. It was very easy for me to think back to something that took place when I was 19 years old. 
And to, to think back the impact that that took place in my life. Why? Because it doesn't happen every week, right? Because it doesn't seem to happen a lot. And I don't seem to notice the, 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 uh, the miraculous hand of God in my life as much as I feel I want to or as I should. And as we go on, I want to encourage you. And we have a, uh, if, if you're not on this uh, Facebook group, I want to encourage you to, to look for it on Facebook. If you're a Facebook person, we have a, a group called Anthem Church Community. And you're welcome to, to look that group up on Facebook and, and ask to be uh, op- let into that group. And of course, if you're here, we'll let you into it. This group called Anthem Church Community. And it's got our logo. It's not the regular Facebook page. But I think it's a great place to use that for, for reasons where we, we share with one another what it is that God's doing in our lives that we would say that is the miracle work of God. To, to encourage one another with faith to bring strength to the rest of us in the body by sharing with one another what God is doing. And when God speaks, why not share on that page? This is how God's spoken to me this week. I want to bring this encouragement. I want to share this scripture. I want to share this moment of faith and this teaching that God's brought to me. It talks, of, it talks about gifts of revelation. It talks about gifts of power. It talks about gifts of speech, spe- uh, gifts that would, would be prophecy. The, the speaking in tongues the in, and in the interpretation of those tongues that bring uh, something to the community that would be a spoken word that would be unknowable uh, to us beforehand, but would bring encouragement and strength. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says that at the beginning, it says, he who speaks, who, he who prophesies uh, does so for the edification of the church to bring encouragement, strength, and faith to the community. So, it, so our prophetic words that God gives are there to bring encouragement and strength and faith to this community. And in the same way that Paul asked the, the Corinthian church, he says, he says, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. Are you open to the working of the supernatural power of God in your life? Is that like banging on the doors of a, a part of our heart that we kind of wanted to keep closed off, a part of the, 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 we thought, well, this is like outside of the God box here. Do you know what I mean? This is a little bit, a little bit different. This is the, the same word of God that says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. This is the same book that says to you, your sins are forgiven. Stuff that we are resting, stuff that we are building our lives upon. And God says to us, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant about this kind of stuff. So today I want us to return, just as a as kind of a, as a, as a setup, I want you to return to that plausibility structure and ask yourself this, how might I have boxed God in? How might I have said to the Lord, um, this is where you function, God, and I'm going to keep it that way because it feels safe. And God is, is I feel like it, it, you know, that verse in, in uh, Revelation 3.20 that says, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Anyone who, who, uh, who allows me, opens the door and lets me come in, I'll eat with them and they with me. I feel like God's saying to us today, he says, I'm, I'm knocking on the, out, on the inside walls of the box that you've put me in. And I'm saying, will you let me out? Will you allow me to be bigger than that structure that you've, you've created? Or maybe it's got misshaped. Maybe it's not, not as grown as it should be. But maybe God wants to blow the walls off that box and let us know that he is more than able. He is, he is all-powerful. He wants to show up in miraculous ways in our lives. The challenge is let's let God out of the box. I ask the band to come up, and we're going to uh, finish with something new here in a moment. But 
And as they come up, I just want to let you know what I, I, I hope we will do over the next few weeks. I hope this is what we're going to do on Sunday. Over the next few weeks, um, I, wanted, I want us to talk about the, the, uh, some, some theology surrounding um, spiritual gifts, surrounding God working in our lives in miraculous ways. And theology is just a kind of a fancy name for what we believe about God, right? The theo meaning God and ology meaning something else. I don't know. But like, you know, uh, theology is like what we believe about God. So even if you're an atheist, you have a theology, you know, even you're an atheist because you believe that God doesn't exist. But like th- our theology is what we believe about God. And so I want to unpack some things in Scripture that, well, I mean, quite frankly, we have to address. If we're going to say, well, we don't believe in the supernatural power of God, then you've got to look at some certain Scriptures and, and scratch your head and say, well, what does that mean? And so I want us to uh, look, look at some theology about about the supernatural, about how I believe God wants to work in us. I want us to I want us to hear some testimonies. And so again, if you've got a story of hearing God in your life, I want to and you want to share that with me, I'd love to hear it. And I'd love to hear your story of how you've seen God in action. Truly, I want to hear those stories and I believe that sometimes those things could be for the edification for the strengthening of the whole body. You might just want to describe it on the Facebook group this afternoon. Places where you've seen the hand of God at work. Because if we don't share it, sometimes we'll forget it. And sometimes it will be a reason why our, our God box gets smaller. We're going to talk about theology. We're going to talk about some testimonies. I want us to talk about some, some tactics as well. And like how we might go about uh, uh, stepping out in areas of faith. Theology, some testimony, some tactics. And I pray that the fourth one, that that, that will build in us a sense of trust as well, that we want to talk about this area of trust so that we can experience the supernatural of God in a, in a natural way, not in a way that makes us go, ah, it's just weird. You know, I'm just going to like take a step back from that, but in such a way that we can, we can see, yes, that's the hand of God at, at work, and it's in such a way that it's not manipulated, it's not coerced, it's just asking God to act. 